Well, good morning. Hope you've had a good weekend. I've had a really good weekend. Want to I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. I appreciate you giving me the time to be away to go to Tennessee to visit with my mom. We had a great time. It's one of our best visits ever. We had Super time, I got to see my brother and his family. Thank you so much, I appreciate Josh uh, covering for me uh, two Sundays, and that was such a blessing. I was able to be back and hear the message last Sunday, and I told him privately, I wanna tell him publicly in front of you guys that to me, that was the best message he's ever given uh, last Sunday. I just wanna say how thankful I am to God for an associate pastor who can bring the word and rightly divide the word of truth. So thank you so much, Josh, uh, for sharing that message with us on prayer last week. Uh, this morning, I want us to look at Luke 23, verses 1 through 16. Many times I think we wait until, say, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, those kind of times to talk about uh, these chapters here, Luke 23, going into 24. But all four Gospels actually conclude with the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus. And it's because this is so central. This is core to what it means to know God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. Without the atonement of Christ, we would not have the relationship with the Father that we have uh, in Christ. Each gospel writer includes a few minor features that are unique from the other three gospels. Now this morning, we're gonna take a seat and we're gonna listen from Luke's inspired account given to us in Luke 23, verses one through 16. He's gonna be describing Jesus's trial before Pilate and also before Herod Antipas. You know, um, within this section, verse two is gonna be unique to Luke. Verses six, all the way down through verse 16, only in Luke. I wanna to read to you something that Dr. John MacArthur wrote uh, that I feel uh, summarizes the irony of these, let's call them trials with quotation marks around it. Here's what Dr. MacArthur said about what we're about to read. The entire series of trials was filled with irony. The one whom men judged is the judge of all men. The one whom men condemned will eternally condemn them. The perfectly righteous, sinless, and innocent one was condemned as a blasphemer and criminal. The one who always pleased holy God did not please sinful men. Men sought to kill the very one who gave them life. The Lord Jesus Christ was declared a blasphemer proclaiming to be who he truly is, making his accusers blasphemers. All of the wicked participants in Christ's trials who judged and condemned him did nothing. 
but what God had predetermined must happen. Their decisions did not determine his fate, but rather their own. They wasted the most monumental, unparalleled opportunity that anyone could ever have, a personal encounter with the Son of the living God, the creator of the universe, and the redeemer of sinners. I thought that was well said. What a, an apt description of what we're about to study. What's amazing is he's going to go through six different trials and the result was always the same. The verdict was always the same. You'll hear in verse four when Pilate says, I find no guilt in this man. Later in verses 14 and 15, you'll hear him say, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges, neither did Herod. In verse 22, we won't go that far, but once again, Pilate says, I found in him no guilt deserving death. How about that? You see, what we're about to read is the greatest miscarriage of justice of all time, while unwittingly fulfilling ancient biblical prophecy. It's like, how can both of these two things happen in one? Yes, it was unlawful and unauthorized. It was irresponsible and there were irregular procedures that were done. Those that were in authority were swayed by public opinion rather than by objective evidence. A comprehensive review of the hearings of Jesus based on the testimonies that we have in the inspired word of God in all four gospels reveals that there were six trials, three religious, three civic. Between one and 3 a.m., only John in chapter 18 describes how Jesus was first taken to the home of Annas, not the high priest, the former high priest. As a matter of fact, not just the former high priest, he was taken to the father-in-law of the current high priest. Something seems wrong. Something seems hidden. Also between those hours, 1 a.m. and 3 a.m., Luke tells us in chapter 22 that Jesus was then taken to the home of the official high priest, a man named Caiaphas. Remember, father-in-law, Annas, now the real high priest, the official one, Caiaphas. Next, Jesus is taken to his home. Wait a minute, taken to a home? Does that sound like a legitimate trial to you? At daybreak at 5 a.m., Luke, Matthew, Mark, they all tell us that the assembly of the elders, what was known then as the Sanhedrin, they assembled. Doesn't that seem odd that you would have a public trial, a hearing at 5 a.m.? Sounds to me like something's not right here. As you continue, you go to these civic or civil trials. Luke 23 that we're about to read Verses 1 through 5 and Matthew, Mark, and John, they all describe this. So all four describe Jesus being brought before Pilate. And what's really amazing is whenever he says, I don't find this man guilty of anything. You know what happened next? It says they, they were urgently, they were urgently 
saying, he stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea from Galilee, even to this place. I thought if the man is pronounced innocent, no guilt, he should be released, right? But he wasn't. Why? Because some were in a hurry. They wanted this to happen quickly. So then we're going to go into this very unique section, Luke 23, verses 6 through 12. Only Luke is going to tell us about this, where there's another king, Herod. Herod was like, he wanted to see a miracle. He said, I've been waiting to see this guy. So it's all like a hoax. There's not really this desire to get down to the facts. Did he really do anything wrong? It's like all of these mishandling of justice and so forth. Then all uh, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all describe how Jesus was then for a sixth time taken back to Pilate. So as I read through the text this morning that we're going to look at in Luke 23 verses 1 through 16, besides just looking for the historical verification, did this really happen? It really did have all kinds of eyewitnesses. You have even extra biblical sources that would say, oh yeah, there was a man named Jesus. He
This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.